The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. want to get into the word now so here's a few things that we're going to find when we get into the scripture this morning and and there's elements of this morning's message that I've stirred in my heart just due to some recent activities that I, I think are important to, to be reminded of and, and important to stir, stir excuse me very intentionally in our lives one is how God saves us there's a couple of things that God is doing in the life of every believer now some of these things are, are things that are are uh, activities that in principle are the same, but in every believer's life, they, they occur very differently. I mean, just so that doesn't get strange, I mean, if we're both Christians, we're both born again, we may have a uh, the same work where God delivered us from darkness and sin and corruption all through Jesus, but yet we have different testimonies. It happened in a different way. I mean, the sacrifice by Jesus made once for all, but yet the way that came to pass in our lives, bringing about new birth, uh, very, very different. Uh, some have uh, testimonies that involve all kinds of, of different uh, uh, circumstances and situations. Others have uh, testimonies that involve all kinds of other situations and circumstances. Uh, so we're going to see, though, the principles, the things that God brings into our lives that bring about salvation. There's two things we'll see in the scripture there, and it's important to understand and know those things so that we can participate and embrace uh, as God's working in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Uh, another thing we're going to find is what, uh, excuse me, what we need to uh, protect. What we need to protect. Uh, there's a, a specific aspect of our life that needs to be protected, and it's, it's really important. When we see it in the scripture, it begins to make sense that you'll see that this area that is so valuable, so precious, that we're called to protect it, is constantly under assault or under attack. And, uh, and there's a reason why, uh, because it's such an important aspect of our life, it, it needs to be guarded. Uh, a third thing that we're going to find is a, a good daily activity. Uh, a daily activity that should exist in our lives as believers. And I say should intentionally, because, you know, like most, you can look for healthy and and. and uh, good habits to introduce into your life, and obviously a schedule and outside influence always wage war on those kinds of habits. Uh, when you get into this time of year, you know, we're mid-February, a lot of people maybe kicked off the new year in, in January with some resolutions and some commitments and some, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Well, by the time you get to this time of the year, those things have probably been assaulted and challenged in a number of different ways. Well, we have some activities that we ought to pursue daily and those are things that are, are biblically in the scripture for the purpose of reminding us of what's important. So uh, now that we're set up there, I want to find out how God saves us to lay the foundation for, uh, for the rest of the message here. And I want to find that in the book of Titus, Titus chapter 3. Uh, so if you have your Bibles with you, open up to Titus. We'll go to Titus chapter 3. And I want to begin reading uh, in verse 3. Titus chapter 3, verse 3. I want to start there, and it says, For we also were once foolish. Uh, we were foolish ourselves. We were disobedient. We were deceived. We were enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, and we spent our life uh, in, in malice and anger, with envy, uh, hateful, and hating one another. Now, this is a pretty nasty list of things, right? I mean, 
you take this list and, and begin to read it or, or even write it out, and it stands out as a, a pretty foul uh, list of, of descriptive words here. If I were to say, hey, I want to introduce you to somebody, I think you're going to love them, uh, they're, they're disobedient and they're deceived and they're enslaved to all kinds of lust, you'd be thinking, no, this doesn't sound like somebody I want to be around, you know. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty nasty list. And then it ends with hating one another. I mean, that's, that's about as rough as it gets. And then you move into this next passage of Scripture, and it opens up with these words, but when the kindness of God, when the kindness of God our Savior in his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. So you see all of this nasty business that exists, and then you see that God in all of his kindness and all of his love sets us free from all of this nasty business. I mean, this is a, 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 an area where when we read this in the scripture, one, it, it provokes uh, thoughts of celebration and gratitude, like I'm, I'm really excited to be off that list, that nasty list that is filled with all of these uh, descriptions that are so foul and so uh, depressing filled with all kinds of, of bondage and, and all kinds of corruption. I'm glad to be off of that list. And now as I continue reading, that celebration begins to be explained as to how God brings this to pass. When the kindness of God and his love for us appears to mankind, he saves us not on the basis of our deeds, which we've done, but according to his mercy. And then you'll see the word by. Now by is going to introduce now how God is doing this. I mean, the saving is what God is doing, right? The mercy is why he's doing it. He doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't owe me anything. Uh, we don't deserve it. We didn't achieve it. But yet he, he's doing this because he's merciful. So you have the why. You have the motive. You have the what in that he's saving us. And then once you get to the word by there, now you're going to get the how. How he's doing it. And, and I think that's an important thing to acknowledge for the purpose of, of seeing the work of the Holy Spirit in and through your life. Not just your own life, but even those around you. Uh, many of us have loved ones, and we're, we're watching, and it's always easier, by the way, to see God working in other people's lives than it is to see God working in your own life. Just the same way it's easier to see what someone maybe is wearing or, or their hairstyle or something, it's hard to see yourself. But in, in a situation like we would see here, we're seeing God working in our lives, and it's important to see how he does it for the purpose of being able to identify that he's doing it. So by now, we have, we have the, the motive, and we have what he's doing. Now we have how he's doing it. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus. He did this. So that being justified by his grace, we would be made as heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I mean, the result now is this being his sons and daughters. The result is having an inheritance in his kingdom. The result is being called by his name. And that result obviously is, is a message in and of itself. But today's focus is the how. How does God do all of this? Am I convinced that God has saved me? Absolutely I am. Am I convinced that that results in me being a, a child of God, called by his name? Absolutely I am. I want to understand and know more of how he brought this to pass. For a couple of reasons. One, to see it happening and be able to share in the celebration of it coming to pass. And then two, to protect from resisting it when it's taking place. So this how was broken up into two places or two uh, uh, activities. One was regeneration and the other was renewing. 
One is, is described as washing, and the other one is identified as happening through or by the Holy Spirit. The by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Ghost are these ways in which God is bringing about salvation into our lives. I want to talk about really quickly regeneration, just the idea of regeneration in, in its English translation would mean to make again, right? I mean, generation or to generate something would be to make something. To regenerate something would be to make it again. So you can see that this is a work that, that has existed from the very beginning and God's doing it over again. This is where we see all of the work of Jesus Christ. We see uh, the creation in Adam and the fall of mankind and now we see the restoration. It's the reason why Paul can write things like we have uh, accomplished or achieved or received more in Jesus than was ever lost in Adam. This is something that God is now making over again, that regeneration that is you, your life. I want to give you a passage of scripture here, and I think it's one that we would be familiar with. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus is, is talking about the kingdom of God, and he's talking about those who are uh, uh, citizens in the kingdom of God. He says, truly, truly, I say, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Notice the word again there, meaning like again would be more than once, right? I mean, if we all stood up and came forward to receive communion again, you would be like, well, haven't we already done that? This is now a second time. So the idea of being born again is the idea of being born more than once. And in this case, it would be a second birth or a, a, a rebirth, so to speak. This is the regeneration that we're talking about. This is the how in which God is delivering us. Now, this is also a one-time event in a person's life. I mean, I was born once of my mother. I was a baby. I screamed and cried like a normal baby, and I grew and matured, and, and, and mature is debatable, but I grew at least, and, and here I am today now some, you know, 41 or 42 years later. You know, you get to an age where you forget how old you are, right? I mean, it just kind of happens. You just start kind of thinking about the decade that you're in. I'm in my 40s. So you come to this place where you've been born. That was a one-time thing in my life. I mean, I celebrate a birthday annually, right? I mean, those are things we acknowledge, but my birthday doesn't come around every year and, and I experience birth again. It's just an acknowledgement of something happened years ago. That's, that's how it works. So for all of us, this is a, a thing that God is doing in our life. Now, it's a one-time activity. Now we move on from this regeneration and we see that it opens up the door for something uh, else, I want to give you a passage of scripture here before we move too far forward from uh, the book of First Peter. First Peter one, I want to look at, at verses three and uh, three through five. Uh, blessed be the our Lord, <clears throat> blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again. There's that regeneration to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A living hope for resurrection from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which will be imperishable and undefiled, which will not fade away, which is reserved in heaven for you, you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed to them in the last time. That salvation ready to be revealed in the last time is not saying that that salvation isn't something that you can see, know, or walk in here in your present time. Rather, it's saying in the very end, it will be understood and fully manifest. It's, it's in 
the, the redeem, redemption is manifest in fullness at the time of, of judgment. There will be a divide. The same way that Jesus would identify as a separation of sheep and goats, it's in that moment where sheep and goats will know that they are sheep and goats. It's in that moment in which that salvation is actually revealed and understood in full. And for you and for me to know and understand that we have life eternal, to know and understand that we've been delivered is, is a wonderful thing to embrace. But I've got news for you. My knowledge and my understanding of my new birth is limited by my current life experience. I mean, there will come a time when eternity will be a reality to me. And right now, I have to really stretch my brain to try to embrace eternity. To think that I understand those things that I've not known or experienced right now is, is a real arrogant statement to make. I can think of eternity, and honestly, for most of us, when we ponder eternity, we ponder long stretches of time, you know. Uh, maybe we sit in a restaurant, and it takes forever for our food to show up, and we think, man, we've been here forever, you know, or something like that. Well, eternity is really not even a long stretch of time. Rather, it's, it's outside of time altogether. So when we try to ponder these things now with our limitations, our, our thoughts, even though they're with good intention, they're, they're flawed. I mean, we're set up to fail right now if we try to embrace the full measure of what God has done in our life because our life is only measured by what we know right now. But to come and to see the fullness of God, to, to experience the wonders in the presence of God in, in the heavens and to, to even see the throne of God and the angels and all of these things would be to come into an awareness that supersedes by tremendous amounts that which we can receive from the scripture and, and we see in part but when we do see in full, I guarantee you, it is going to blow your mind. I don't think anyone gets into the presence of God. I don't think that anyone uh, functions and operates as, as one who would step into the kingdom of God and think, you know, I, I just thought it would be a little nicer. Or maybe I thought it would be grander. Or I thought it would be, you know, I had this expectation and it's not met. There's not going to be unmet expectations. In fact, I think every mind will be extremely blown at the revelation of God's love and affection for us. I, I want to move from that because that's not really the point. The point is that this regeneration, this work that God's done in our life, has been to open the door for something great. And that's where we come to this next passage of Scripture. And this is really where the rubber meets the road for believers. Now, what's really interesting is we gather together this morning here. This is, generally speaking, a group of believers, right? So a message about being born again, while that's a good message to preach, I mean, this is not necessarily an evangelistic uh, outreach. This is not an attempt to, to uh, uh, draw uh, the unbeliever to Christ. I mean, first of all, you would need unbelievers, right? So this is a message now that needs to have a, an, an ability to affect and impact the believer. And this is where we, we cross that line. That regeneration, that being born again, opens up the door now for something wonderful. We'll see what that is here in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 is a great and terrible scripture, right? Great and terrible. Great in the sense that it is a, a wonderful uh, uh, statement of what God is doing, and, and as we desire to see God's work in our lives, this is a really great scripture to stand on. Now, terrible in the sense that it starts to remove all of our excuses and all of our justifications 
for the embracing of those things which God does not desire in our lives because this passage of Scripture is the kind of passage of Scripture that is revealing to us the work that God is doing. Not did do, but is doing. And let me read it to you here, and we'll, we'll see if we can't all get on the same page. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. I mean, that's a wonderful thing to get behind, you know, that regeneration that's taken place. I've been born again. I'm a new creature. Now, being a new creature is described here. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Here comes the description. Old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. Uh, when I said great and terrible earlier, it's slightly tongue-in-cheek. I mean, there's no uh, individual in the room that, that has not been improved in their life through being born again. I mean, the work of Jesus Christ in our life is a tremendous work in which things seen and unseen are ministered to, and they're ministered to in full. That means past, present, and future. I mean, there's absolutely no stain left on my life. It's the reason why I can be identified as one of the saints or the holy ones. I'm holy just like Jesus is holy. That's the power of the blood of Jesus, constantly making intercession and atonement on my behalf. It is a wonderful and powerful and mind-blowing uh, concept to know that the blood of Jesus is constantly at work on my behalf. Now we see this uh, call for these old things to disappear and new things to come. Well, when I consider my life, when I was born again, I had all kinds of things that existed that were not glorifying to God. They were glorifying to self. They were rooted in uh, things that would fit that description that we read earlier from Titus. That description that was uh, filled with words like disobedient, deceived, enslaved to lust, and, and spending lives in anger and envy and hateful and hating one another. There were items in my life or areas of my life that could fit in those categories. And when I was born again, those things needed to go. Those are the things that begin to pass away. Then you begin to see new things coming. This is a work that God is doing in our lives that supersedes any one-time work. Rather, that one-time work of regeneration opens the door for this constant work to take place to bring the new things of the kingdom of God into existence in and through our lives. It's that renewing that takes place, according to Titus, by the Holy Spirit which reveals to me that this is a, a work that is, is done in tandem with the Holy Ghost in and through my life. It's the reason why quenching of the Holy Spirit or rejection of the Holy Spirit would really be problematic. How can new things that come by the Holy Spirit come into my life if the Holy Spirit's not a part of my life? I mean, the Holy Ghost and His presence in my life on a daily basis is vital to these new things being brought into my life, being stirred into my life, becoming consistent to the point that they make up who I am, how I function, how I think, my attitudes, my actions, and my words. I want to read a passage of Scripture. I believe we used this passage of Scripture just last week, but I want to read it to you because I believe that we see something stirring in the psalmist here as the psalmist releases this prayer, and the prayer is absolutely prophetic in its nature. Now, what you have here is the psalmist is in need of, of uh, deliverance. There's been an issue of sin, an issue of corruption. Uh, this is a, a cry for deliverance from the shame, from the guilt, from the, the, the bondage that has come from this sinful activity. Now today, as you and I celebrate the blood of Jesus, we're functioning and operating in a freedom from those things. But we still see from the psalmist here 
There's a prophetic cry for two things to take place in this time of need. The psalmist says this from Psalm 51.10. Create in me a clean heart and then renew in me a steadfast spirit. You have to forgive me because I've had quite a bit of activity over the past couple of weeks and my timelines are a little blurred. So I'm not sure if it was last week or two weeks ago But this passage of scripture was a big part of our message. The idea that these things are being asked for is something that needs to be paid attention to. And and I think you can take a look at it and see two things and you can identify them as two separate things that might be completely independent of each other. Or you can see them as two things that need to take place in a chronological order. And I'll leave that completely between you and the Holy Spirit, but I want to offer it to you as something that happens in an order. Create in me a clean heart and renew in me a steadfast spirit, a consistent spirit. It'd be very difficult for me to walk in the holiness that God has called me to walk in, to carry out the will that he is revealing into my life by the Holy Spirit if my heart is corrupt. You could have good days, you could have bad days, but it would be a very difficult thing. So are these two things separate? Sure they are. Are these two things in any kind of order? Well, I want to offer it to you in my opinion. Absolutely yes. The same reason that you would have a chronological order listed in the passage that we just read from 2 Corinthians 5-7. If anyone's in Christ, they're a new creature. That means old things pass away, new things come. There's an order there. You don't see, well, at any given moment for any person, new things could come, and that will make them a new creature. But you see this order in which this is done, that regeneration takes place, then that new impartation takes place. You see it right here in the Psalms. The cry is for regeneration, that new or that clean heart, and then that new and steadfast, consistent spirit. And it's an interesting thing to me that such an emphasis would be put on the heart, that that's a a very important passage of Scripture. Now, the heart is used throughout the Scripture uh, literally. It's used metaphorically. And as we see the importance of the heart, we'll see that it's meant to be something that is uh, prioritized. Now, your heart is more than just your, your, an organ in your body or a muscle, excuse me, in your body that's functioning with the rest of your organs to bring life, but rather your heart is identified as your innermost being, a place in which your thoughts and your attitudes uh, begin to initiate the first steps of what will become your actions. And it needs to be emphasized uh, that your heart needs to be uh, protected. In fact, I told you before that we would find what we need to protect. That's going to be your heart. You'll see it here from Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23, it reads like this, and I want to emphasize the first three words here. Above all else. Above all else. Now, I know we're pulling this verse from the rest of its context, and I understand that completely. But I want to just say... As we pull that and we lay it out by itself, if I were to say above all else, what would that mean to you? I mean, the pause there is is not meant to be long or awkward. It's just meant to give you an opportunity to think. Above all else, emphasizing that this is the most important thing to focus on. If you put any time, any effort into anything else before you do this, you could be wasting your time. You could be wasting your effort. This needs to be priority one 
or else all of the investment, whether it be physical, whether it be mental, whether it be emotional, could all be lost if this isn't ministered to first and foremost, priority one, above all else. Above all else, the passage goes on to say, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Uh, some different translations say flows uh, the, the issues of life, so to speak, depending on uh, what translation you're reading. But what an interesting thing to consider that your heart is the place that needs to be guarded. Uh, there's a, a way to, to identify the, the state of a heart. I mean, the state of, of things in your heart, in, the, in your, your present uh, circumstances and situation. And I, I think this is a, a very uh, wonderful and, and uh, God-given gift for us to monitor the state of our heart. It comes from Matthew chapter 15. I mean, Jesus is speaking and he begins to speak of uh, people's hearts. And he says this, in Matthew 15, 18, he says, the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. So as I'm evaluating my heart, I try to listen to my words. I mean, it, my, my roles in life are, are many. I mean, like it's, I'm, I'm a husband, I'm a father, uh, I'm a Christian, and, and I say Christian instead of even say pastor. I mean, as a Christian, I'm put in a position to minister to the lives of those around me. And one of the best tools that I can use in any ministry situation is my ears to listen. And why would I want to listen to someone's words so intently? Well, to know what's going on, yeah, that's one thing, but also to know the state of the heart. I've worked with men before, and some of them have different disciplines than others, and, and uh, some are given to language that would be uh, foul and dirty. And I remember uh, driving with one guy, and he had one specific word for, for uh, uh, waste that he used all the time. I mean, he just said it all the time. And it's, it's not a, a, a considered a clean word. It would be considered a cuss word in most uh, circles and and I mean he would say it even when he wasn't speaking about things that had anything to do with that it was just a filler word for him and I remember talking with him and just saying hey uh, you say that word a lot and he kind of grinned and said it again you know and and I said uh, you know saying words like that I mean it's just it's just a word it's made up of letters but you realize that that for that to be considered a, a, a bad word is really just kind of goofy thinking. But the reason why we, we see words like that and, and we put them in the category that we put them as, as, as bad words is not the letters that make them up, but, but rather what that indicates. And he kind of looked at me and we kept the conversation going. I said, you know, the, the Bible says that the words that come out of your mouth are what's in your heart. And now that was a little bit of a, a pivot point there. And I said, based on that, you know, if that's the word that comes out of your mouth a lot, what's in your heart? And we kind of got a laugh out of it. And we realized that, wow, that's, that's fairly revealing. And he began to reevaluate some things. He began to open up and talk about some reasons why he was uh, uh, 
felt the way he felt, and, and it opened up the door for some ministry in that situation. And, and that's not to say that it would in every situation, but it did in his. But listening to our words is revealing of what's in our heart. I, I have a, a situation in my own home recently where my wife pulled me aside and began to minister to my heart because she had heard my words. Uh, there were so many tensions in, in our current uh, news cycle politically, and I would come home and, and begin to, to rant on things. And Now, she would hear my words, and my words would be, you know, this headline or that headline, but what she was hearing in the words was, was anger, anxiety, and all of these things that are not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In fact, they were the opposite of those things. And as she would hear those words, her desire would be to minister uh, to the heart. And, and as she pulled me aside and she talked to me about those things. It was very, very helpful. And as we examine our words, I think it's important not only to, to, to look at what we say, but how we say it. You know, how we say what we say. I mean, it's you, because of the, the presence of sarcasm in our culture. And by the way, we live in a very sarcastic culture We've been groomed that way. We've been trained that way through entertainment. Have you ever noticed how sarcastic uh, television is? Like the, just your normal, average, you know, Western sitcom. Uh, people really can't be funny that consistently for that long. It's hard to do. So we cheat and we throw in cheap things like uh, crude humor, uh, inappropriate humor, and then sarcasm. And we, because those things are cheap, we make that comedy. It's almost kind of like, like fast food, right? Where, you know, it would be expensive if we used healthy ingredients. So let's throw in this filler and that filler and that filler and then batter that bad boy deep fry it and they're going to love it, you know. And I'm guilty of eating my share of that battered deep fried goodness, right? But or we've been fed these things, and these things now have groomed us in our hearts and in our minds how to function and how to relate to one another. And it's important that we be careful, not only listening to what we say, but how we say it, and evaluate our heart accordingly. As your heart begins to, to be affected by things, it, it opens up the door for uh, opportunities, great and bad. I mean, great in the sense that as our heart is affected in a positive way, by being washed and, and renewed as the scripture uh, reveals, we begin to function and operate in more godly ways. And that's just a, a real easy way of saying we begin to be more like Jesus. Uh, but as the heart is affected in any kind of negative way or, or worldly influence, uh, it becomes destructive. And the heart's the place where you keep your plans. I mean, the, the scripture talks about that. Let me give you a passage of scripture here so that we can stand on it as we move forward. Proverbs 19.21 says, the plans of a man's heart are many. I mean, I, I, that's not the entire verse, and we'll read the rest of the verse in a moment, but I think that's important not only to emphasize that the plans of a man's heart are indeed many, but the idea that your plans are in your heart. No wonder your heart needs to be guarded. It's where your hopes and your dreams lie, your desires, the things that you want. And by the way, uh, desires, especially in, in when they are aligned with God's will and his plans, are a wonderful, godly thing. The passage in its entirety reads like this, the plans of a man's heart are many, but it's the counsel of the Lord that will stand. I mean, God's going to bring his will to pass. And as we come into alignment with God's will, that's this process of washing, this this regeneration being this one-time activity, then this renewing 
by the Holy Spirit of our heart or our mind for the purpose of coming into agreement with what God desires. And I want to give you this passage of Scripture to really solidify that because we see two groups of people really in the world. And I love it when the Scripture identifies uh, these separations like this because it's very uh, helpful to see that God is at work and he's bringing this to pass separating from a past situation or scenario and leading into another. Much like when we read in Titus, we were once foolish, but then the kindness of God came in and now here we are. So as we get into this passage of scripture, you're going to see the rubber meet the road here. Romans 12 verse 2. Romans 12 verse 2. It reads like this, don't be conformed to the world, rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you can prove what the will of God is, that which is acceptable and perfect. I mean, this passage of Scripture identifies that there are are two uh, uh, groups, that there are the conformed and there are the transformed. Now, you don't even have to identify it as two groups because that almost sounds as if you're getting ready to set up an us versus them. You can categorize this as two states, two states of being. In any situation or any circumstance that I face in my life, I'm either operating as one who is conformed to the world or one who is transformed by the Holy Ghost. And that's really a great way for a believer to to live their life, to ask that question. As it concerns this challenge in my marriage, am I operating as one who is conformed to the world or am I operating as one who has been transformed by the Holy Ghost? As this challenge in my business, am I choosing to operate as one who is conformed to the world's ways or am I choosing to operate as one who has been transformed by the Holy Spirit? What state of being am I operating in? Am I operating in a vindictive, aggressive, victim mentality or am I operating in a a generous and giving, forgiving, victorious mentality? Which mentality am I operating in, the world or the kingdom? And it's only then, based on this passage of Scripture, that we can prove what God's will is. Prove what God's will is means do His his will. Show the world what His will is by living it out and proving it. Proving it with our actions and our activities, not just talking about it with empty words, but living it out with who we are. As it concerns this work that God's doing in our life, that regeneration, that one time being born again, becoming a Christian, is that threshold that must be crossed for the rest of the work of God to be lived out in and through our lives. Now, to say things like that is to provoke all kinds of debate about things that are, are, are potentially uh, contentious and, and, and divisive. The reality is being born again is a starting line, not a finish line. When I was born, it was a starting line and not a finish line. When I was born, I was born in the the least state of maturity physically, emotionally, mentally that I could possibly be brought into this world and survive. And it was from that place that I grew and developed and matured. And as we enter into the kingdom, because of our faith and our reliance on Jesus Christ, his holiness, his work, his perfection, we absolutely enter in with every single thing that we need pertaining to godliness and holiness. The scripture promises that. Now, as our life is lived out, we see old things pass away and new things take their place. 
And this process is happening through that renewal, that renewal that takes place by the Holy Spirit that moves us from a place of being conformed to the world's ways to being transformed to the ways of God. I want to give you a passage of Scripture here as, as we close, and I, I want to offer this to you uh, as, as that third thing that we said we would find, a, a good daily activity. As it concerns this renewal that's meant to take place by the Holy Spirit, this renewal that, that equips us to prove what God's will is with our lives, that, that renewing of the mind that, that leads us out of the state of being conformed to the world, rather leads us into the state of being transformed into the kingdom. Uh, I'll give you this passage of scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 it's, it reads like this, Therefore, we don't lose heart. Even though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. The emphasis on this passage of Scripture is the day by day. And then look at the result of this commitment, of this conviction and this awareness I mean, obviously, the renewal of the inner man day by day is a wonderful thing to, to consider. But look at the result of having that inner man renewed. That result is revealed in the opening of this statement, we don't lose heart. No matter what we face, no matter what we deal with, even though those things on the outside are, are aging, are decaying, even though those things may be suffering that which is inside, that which is eternal, all because of that regeneration and that renewing by the Holy Spirit, those things are being renewed constantly, day by day. That's really the, the point of, of the message today, is to revisit that urgency of that day-by-day day renewing, to step out of that mentality of, uh, I am born again and I am a Christian and to, to remain mature in that mentality of as a born-again Christian, Father, let the renewing of your Holy Spirit have its effect on me today. And then when the sun rises tomorrow, let it have the effect that it's intended to have on me then. Day by day, let there be the pursuit of the work of your Spirit in and through my life for your glory. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. A personal conviction is a wonderful thing. I don't think you can take an individual's convictions and, and place them on another person without opening the door for there to be a, a, a number of challenges and issues. I want to offer uh, uh, what we've looked at today as an idea, as that conviction might rise in your heart by the Holy Spirit, invite you to embrace that conviction along with me. I remember being born again very clearly. I remember the things that took place in my life. I remember the freedoms and the liberation, the old things passing away. And, and I remember the, the beginnings of new things coming, and they, they still even come today. And I remember my, my prayer life and the prayers that I would pray, and oftentimes I would write those things out. And, and it's just interesting and amazing 
the effects of time. Time can bring about a, a wonderful things where, where things continue to grow and they continue to, to move and prosper and thrive. And, and time can also uh, bring about the opposite effect in which things become common and normal and grow stale. And I think it's important to see that, that this activity that God is doing in our life consists of both one-time events that you can look back to and know that's the day I forever was transformed. And yet also includes daily activities so that we can know he's still at work in me. He's still at work through me. There's no room for any mentality uh, uh, to be stale, to be old, to be uh, written off as, as traditional, but to understand and know that the fresh fire of God is burning inside of my spirit that the anointing of the Holy Ghost is just as powerful and present on my life today as the moment he set me free from all of that corruption. The full manifestation of his kindness and his love toward me is as powerful and potent today as it was the moment I called on his name. Stir in me daily the presence of your Holy Spirit. Let those fires of your spirit stir inside of my heart that they would never grow dim, that they would never grow cold, but let them burn hot. And let them have an effect on my mind and my heart and my attitude and my actions that I would not let time have an ill effect on my faith, but that I would see time stoke those flames hotter, brighter, and, and, and higher than they've ever burned before. Let there be a daily stirring. I want to offer that as a, as a prayer. And if that is a conviction that you would share, then, then you can take it and embrace it and run with it. And let the Holy Spirit stir those prayers in your life. But I want to pray that for us this morning. You're welcome to be in a state of agreement uh, uh, or a state of receiving. Father, we thank you for your work in us. We rejoice in the moment in which we were born again. And we thank you that we can look back to that very moment and know that that was a time of complete and total change, that we were made new. We rejoice that you have given us such a, a wonderful a standard to look back on as new birth. And we ask now together in Jesus' name, will you let the continued work of the Spirit stir in our hearts and in our minds? that we wouldn't grow casual in our fellowship with your spirit, but that there would be an, an urgency in each one of us to see the daily washing, the daily work, uh, the daily stirring of the giftings and the anointings of your spirit in us. Every single waking moment of every single day, let there be a desire in us to see those things refreshed and renewed. To not only be filled, but to be overflowing with the zeal of your spirit in and through our lives, anointed, to carry out your will and to prove what your will is. All of those things that are good and acceptable and perfect, let them be the result of your people living transformed lives with renewed minds and hearts every single day. Deliver us from that conformity that the world would walk in and lead us to that place of transformation where your kingdom is active, living, and flowing in and through our lives, through our words, through our attitudes, through our actions. Let the Holy Ghost stir and move each one of us fresh and new every day. We bless your name and we thank you for this work, that you've not done a one-time work in us and left us to figure the rest out. 
but that you've opened up the door to work in us and through us every single day. Let it be embraced, let it be celebrated, and let it be lived out for your glory as we would walk in the anointing of your Holy Spirit refreshed day by day. We bless you and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declare it. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.